Okay, guys, hello, and welcome back to the Women Respecters Podcast. Unfortunately, due to scheduling issues and everything else, Wiley and Kate weren't able to join me, so I'm going to be recording this one by myself. Um, We're going to see how this goes. I'm kind of, I'm not in the ideal environment at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm out of town right now, and so um, the normal, my normal recording room is not accessible to me, so if you hear any unnecessary background noise or you hear... Um, people's voices in the back or anything like that, try to tune it out. I did the best that I could and due to the circumstances. But anyways, guys, enough about that. Um, hey, you know, what's going on? It's been a while. We keep saying that. I feel like I'm, we say that every other podcast because we come back, we record an episode, maybe two, three, then things happen. You know, it's life. People, things happen. We're, we're trying to get consistent. We're trying to, you know, get our schedules aligned and everything, but this episode is going to be a little different, especially since it's me alone. We're going to do it really, really different. Um, yeah, so how about the finals? That was pretty crazy, but uh, I'm not going to get into that this episode. What I'm going to get into this episode is something I've been wanting to talk about for a while. I've been talking like some, not going to talk about a lot of them. We, I might do, we might do another like segment of this when Wiley and Kay are available, but I just wanted to talk about some of the myths in the NBA or some of the hot topics. I shouldn't say myths. I should say hot topics. Hot topics in the NBA. You know, you get on NBA, um, social media all the time. You see some pretty wild takes and see things like that, X, Y, and Z. Like, for example, I was scrolling Twitter the other day, you know, doing my routine checks, just, you know, over there scrolling. And I see Hakeem Olajuwon's trending. And I said, huh, why is Hakeem Olajuwon trending? Tell me, guys, why I click on it. And you know why Hakeem's been trending? Hakeem's trending because his name's being dragged through the mud. Uh, somebody was doing, I think it was Hoop um, Reference was doing some this player versus this player, this player versus this player. So at first they were talking about Hakeem versus Tim Duncan, who was better. And um, a lot of people were slandering Hakeem. They were like, he only had two rings. He only won when Jordan wasn't there, the XYZ. All this unnecessary slander saying he was overrated. He's not that great. I don't get why people put his name and all that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hold up, hold up, hold up. As I've said before in this podcast, I'm a Hakeem Olajuwon fan. And even taking bias out of it, the man was great. The man was great. You got to look at some, like, his circumstances. The West was deep. The West was really, really deep in the 90s. You got to think, you got a lot of teams that couldn't even make it. You had... The Supersonics with um, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp coming up. You had, uh, obviously, Hakeem Olajuwon's Rockets. You had Utah coming up. There's all these great teams. The Lakers were still around. Like, I think people forget that there are all these other great teams. So, I call it the LeBron effect. So, since LeBron made it to the finals, what, nine out of the last ten years. Everybody thinks that, like, great players have to make it to the finals every year. It's not realistic. Think about how all these great players are, how many great players are. It's not realistic to get to the finals every year. And it's like, it's not, like, you know, obviously your hard work and skill go into it. But there's a huge luck factor involved, too, because injuries happen. Injuries happen, Um, especially with winning chips and stuff. Think about the Toronto, the last NBA championship before this past one I just passed. Um... Think about Toronto and Golden State. People people idolize Kawhi and everything for being able to get them there. Take this, for example. If all those injuries don't, don't happen, 
Raptors don't win that series. Guess what? The Warriors three-peated. Everything else, like it's going to be a whole different narrative. But nobody can predict injuries. Injuries happen. They're a power of basketball. So you gotta you gotta think of it because there's always context. People, always, you're gonna hear me say a lot of this um, episode context. That's gonna be the word of the day because people always try to take context out of it. They always try to forget everything else. And it was like Hakeem. It's not like oh because he only won when Jordan was there. How do you know that? Whenever Hakeem and Jordan never faced off in the finals, it's not like Hakeem lost to Jordan multiple times and then. Jordan finally retires and then Hakeem finally wins. Like that's not that's not the um that was happening. And if you remember back then I'm most of y'all I wasn't even alive then, so I know I don't know um the age of the viewers, but uh I've done my research and everything. I kinda like watching old documentaries and everything. But the narrative was when Jordan retired, everybody went all in because they were like, This is our chance to win finally because he's gone. Let's see. We don't know how long he's going to be gone or if he's going to stay gone. Like, what happens? So, they went all in. So, those two years, it was extremely tough. It was extremely tough because everybody was all in trying to win it all. Because they were like, we don't know if it's going to be one year. He's just gone for one year. He comes back and the Bulls dominate again. So, we don't know. So, everybody's going all in. Hakeem. Hakeem had a tough journey. Especially that second, um, his second championship. Been a six seed and going against all those dominant teams, he went up against a lot of 50 win teams. And that's not talked about enough. He went there, he dominated, and he did what he had to do. And um, no disrespect to Tim Duncan, because Tim Duncan, greatest power forward of all time, in my opinion. Easily the greatest power forward of all time to me. However, context. What happens if, you know, you know, Hakeem had, you know, he had a, he had a, he had Clyde Drexler with him for the second win. The first win, who did he have? The microwave. Um, you know, Kenny Smith. Like, come on, guys. I'm not no disrespect to those guys because they were they were they were really solid role players. They did their job. However, you give Hakeem a big three with three Hall of Famers. We don't know where we go. We don't know what happens. We don't know who he runs into in the finals because that's, like I said, it's context. It's who you get to the finals with. Anything can happen. Anything can happen, but you have to, you, can only, you can't make an excuse because you play who's in front of you. Hakeem gets to the finals one time, and he runs into um, a young LeBron, and that's what happened with nobody on Cleveland on his roster, his next best player being Booby Gibson. You know what I mean? Think about that for a second. Just context. No disrespect. Like I said, Tim Duncan, greatest of all time. But I was like, I just didn't, like, if they just saw the comparison, I was like, when I first saw it, I was like, that's a great comparison. That's that's cool. That's cool to think about and everything. My only my only problem with it was people were slandering Hakeem saying he didn't even deserve to be in the same breath as Tim Duncan. And that kind of bothered me. And then, after that, people were saying, okay, how about Hakeem versus Giannis? And no disrespect to Giannis. But how is Giannis in the same category as Hakeem right now? Well, he hasn't gotten his prime yet. Giannis will be. When Giannis gets, because he, he's still young. We haven't seen his prime yet. When he gets into his prime, we can we can come back to this conversation. And maybe my opinion changes. Because Giannis becomes, he changed his game. Say next in the next two years, he becomes a knockdown shooter. He, he gets, well, a respectable shooter. To where people have to guard him out there. He gets a respectable post game with his footwork and everything. And... 
You know, he becomes a, a better passer out of the post. And his perimeter defense gets better. Let's say that. Let's say that he like all those things happen, which I hope they do. Because for the love of the game, I want him to improve. Let's say those happen, and then we can reevaluate this conversation. But as of right now, I don't think the conversation can be touched. Because, um, again, no disrespect to Giannis, but you can't just build up a wall against Hakeem and it, go, and it goes away. Hakeem was a master on the block. The greatest post scorer in NBA history. The greatest footwork in NBA history. Scoring on the block in one-on-one. Give me the ball in one-on-one. Giannis is not that player yet. He's not him yet where you can just give him the ball and say, go give me a bucket. Because you see it happen in the playoffs. They give him the ball and he can't he can't he can't just run to the rim and just dunk. He doesn't have a post game to where he can go get a bucket there, even though he's six eleven and dominant. He can't he doesn't have a game like that to where he can do that. He doesn't have a reliable jump shot or a touch so that he can just you sag off him, he is the little mid range jumper. You know what I mean? Like Hakeem can hit that. Giannis is a great defender, don't get me wrong. Defense player of the year and everything. But his perimeter defense, in my opinion, is a little overrated. Um, there was plenty of times throughout the season you see Giannis get switched on to somebody, and it doesn't go pretty. Giannis is a great help defender. He, he He's great at contesting shots, blocking shots, doing everything like that. But perimeter defense is a little it's a little overrated. Hakeem Olajuwon at 6'11 as well, with great lateral quickness and footwork, he was able to switch. You know, it's not, he's not like he could guard him the entire possession. You know, because, you know, Bigs, they're not going to guard the a guard the entire possession. But if he got switched onto him, it wasn't like he was about to get killed. He was like, he can handle his own. He can hold his own for that possession. If he gets switched onto him for like 15, 20 seconds, he can hold his own, force a bad shot, and then get back in position to rebound. That's the kind of player he was. Hakeem was great. Hakeem was really great. I don't think that's... Um, I don't think enough people give him the appreciation he deserves. And that's just what I wanted to start off with. Um, greatness. And speaking of greatness, uh, can we go into the topic of the greatest of all time? I don't like that argument. Uh, I'm, I said it in our original top five series. Um, because greatness, greatness, there's no one definition for greatness, which you might put with greatness. I might not. You saw with the three of us, we had varying opinions. Um, so greatness can be anything. Greatness can be anything. It's all it's all depending on you. Because some people say championships, but then only certain championships matter. And only this matters. They say this, numbers, but only certain numbers matter. And only certain this, this, and that. And well this and well that. So it's like, you know, it's, it's difficult. Um, there was a, I was watching an interview, an old interview of Michael Jordan talking about greatness and how... He doesn't want to call himself the GOAT and everything because it's disrespect to the guys before him. Because we don't know if he turns out to be him without the guys in front. Those guys were great too. This, this, and that. He said he should, we shouldn't do the greatest of all time comparison. Because there's something things those guys can do that he can't do. There's things he can do that those guys can't do. Because think about it. Comparing somebody like Michael Jordan to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Kareem is not a guard to where he can dribble up the ball and do X, Y, and Z. But Jordan's not a big to where he can rebound, get you know, do certain things X, Y, and Z. Like I said, so it's just it's just a difficult conversation to have. That's why when I say I do, I don't do goats like the one goat. I do the best player in my opinion by the position. 
I go by positions, and that's why we we did the positional one because I was like, we were going to risk and do the great greatest all time, but I was like, I'm not really feeling that. I, I it's just it's just tough for me because I don't think there's just one goat. I like to joke around and be like, oh, that's my goat, that's my goat. I call Kareem my goat. I call Michael Jordan my goat. I call a lot of people my goat because. And they are my GOAT. They're just my positional GOAT instead of just a single greatest of all time. So I want to get in that conversation a little bit and um, talk about a conversation that happened. I was um, watching a video over and I was, I was watching it and it made me think. It was Bill Russell and Michael Jordan talking about who was the true greatest of all time. Bill Russell said he felt like he is the greatest of all time. Well, Michael Jordan was like, no, 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 no. I'm the greatest all time. It was just like, you know, friendly banter and everything going back and forth. Not really going back to it. And then Jordan was like, well, let me hear. He's like, Jordan's like, you know, it's easy to um, do X, Y, Z when there's only this many people in the league. You only had eight teams, blah, blah, blah. What are you talking about? It's easy to get to a championship that way. And then Bill Russell said something that had Michael Jordan that had Michael Jordan lost. Had me lost for words because it's like, he said, yeah, you talk about those eight people. Those eight teams, I mean. He said, I'm, obviously, I'm going to put in my own words. Just like, peep this, okay? Eight teams in the NBA. So, that means those eight teams from 1 to 12 are the best players in the league. They're the, those are the best teams in the league. So, And you're still playing a lot of games. You're still playing throughout the whole regular season in the playoffs. So, you're playing those eight. Eight teams, or where you're going to be playing seventeen, those seven teams, multiple times throughout the season, more than just two to four times that you normally do throughout the whole season, and it's a lot of people. He said, he said, he talks about how Steve Kerr hit that shot. He said Steve Kerr wouldn't have been on the court to hit the shot because Steve Kerr isn't like you know like a top one hundred player in the league. And it made me think, I was like, yeah, he's right. He wouldn't even been on the court because take nowadays right now and reduce it, reduce the 30 teams to eight teams. Think of how many players aren't on those rosters anymore. Think about how many players are great and they're really good coming out of college or wherever they're coming out of. And they're really, really good. They're like a 15, 10 to 15 point game scorer. And they're not even on a roster. They have to go somewhere else because... There's only eight teams in the league, and only the best of the best can make it. So, those players can't make it. So, I want y'all to think about this real quick while we're heading into the break. Who is the top 100 players in the NBA? And let me know your response for that. And think about how many players get left off, and think about how great that is. And we're going to go come back right back into the discussion after this short break. Okay, guys, and we're back. Um, I believe I left off with the thing about your top 100 players in the league right now and see where they will be on in the NBA today. Even though it's not obviously, I said with top 100 because that's just an easier number to say instead of whatever the number is, 8 times 12. I don't feel like doing the math right now Um, because I believe it, what would it be like? Uh, 76 or something like that. Almost 80. Around 80. I think I believe it was 76. But I'm not sure. I don't want to, like I said, I don't really feel like doing the math. Um, off the top of my head. I wasn't, I'm not a math major or anything. So, but 
Think about your top 100 players and everything, and that'd be crazy. Okay, now think about this for a second. Doesn't that start bringing in more context? Like I said, context the word of the day. Context on why the Celtics were so dominant. And had four, three to four 20-point-per-game scores in 11 Hall of Famers. Because think about how hard it was to leave teams back then. If you were on a team, you were basically there your entire career. And so the competition level was great. So if you have someone like 10 Hall of Famers on one team, and then somebody else, they're, they're bad. They're a bad team. But they still have the 10 best, like 10, 12 best players that they could possibly have on that team. And it's just the Celtics, that Celtics team was just so dominant because out of the so many people in the league, they had like five or six of the top 30, 40 players in the league. And so when you have an advantage like that, think about the Golden State Warriors, how dominant they were a couple years back when they had Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Clay. I said a couple years back, but that was last year. Um, think about that team. And then thinking about every team in the league been able to have the op- not not being that stuff, but having the opportunity to be that stacked up. And then you have the Warriors right there with the Warriors being the Celtics, and they're there for 10, 12 years just dominating. And all these other teams are trying to build through the draft and build through all this other stuff and try to get their players. And it starts making more sense with the context when you start putting in that perspective. And so I just wanted to share that with y'all before I moved over to the next topic. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, we're going to stay on the topic of greatness and stay on the topic of context. All NBA teams and all all-star teams. People, I feel like people put too much weight into them. I feel like their popularity votes and that they are not as important as people should make them out to be. I can't lie. I have fallen victim to it sometimes when I'd be like, well, this person has 10 all NBA teams and this person has five. And it's like, in a situation like that, when somebody has 10 and when somebody has five, like, oh, well, the person with 10 must be greater. But then that's not necessarily true. Because of context. Take somebody, for example, as Isaiah Thomas. Hall of Famer. Two-time NBA champion. Everybody knows who he is. Isaiah Thomas. Zeke. Great point guard. Lots of people put him in their top five point guards of all time. But only five All-NBAs. And you start to think about, huh, that's kind of weird. He has, he only has five all NBAs when he played all those years and it's like, huh, well, what happened? Was he not, did he have some off years? Was he not great these years and great? Are you like, okay, well it must've been like his rookie season and all this other stuff. Like, he was an all-star his rookie season. He was, he was, he was good. It was like, okay. Well, it must've been his last couple years and he wasn't coming off. Nope. He was still putting up like respectable numbers then too. And it's like, you start got to think about context. Think about 90s guards. You have Isaiah Thomas. You have people like Magic Johnson on the early ends. Even if you go to the 80s, because Isaiah played in the 80s too, Magic Johnson. You got people like John Stockton. Mark Price, who was great. Clyde Drexler. Michael Jordan. 
Think about all these great guards, because you gotta remember, they're not broken down by point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center. They're broken up by two guards, two power forwards, and one center. At least they used to be. Now they've moved over to the style of two guards, three forwards. And so when you think about something like that, you look at, hmm, who is he going against at that time? All those guards. They only have three. They only have three teams for the All NBA. There's only six spots for the guards. All Star games, same. Only four to six spots. So, who gets it? Who gets the spot? Isaiah Thomas puts up great numbers that year, but somebody else that has a different narrative. Mark Price puts up similar numbers too. Leads the, leads the Cavs to uh, a better record than the Pistons. It's like, huh? That doesn't mean Mark Price is better than Isaiah Thomas, but he's having a good year. So the media says, you know, I'm just using this as a, obviously this isn't a real situation. I'm just using it as an example. So they're like, oh, let's give him the all NBA nod instead of somebody else. Or take somebody like Bradley Bill. Take somebody like Bradley Bill. Great season this year. The Wizards were just bad. Wizards were just bad. And he doesn't make an All-NBA team, but he has a great year. He doesn't make an All-Star team, and he has a great year. People like Devin Booker. But then it's like, it's narrative. It's a popularity vote. Because then you have people like Trey Young of the Hawks. Be voting as a starter. And you're like, huh. These people are in similar situations, but this person is more popular because he does X, Y, and Z. That doesn't mean he's better than other said player, but... Because of this, and who he was going against at the time, things happened. Because of context. Do y'all remember that late 2000s, early 2010s era of bigs? And when they were starting to fall off? After Dwight Howard was dominating, and then he started falling off? Do y'all remember that era of centers? I was watching an old video of Open Court. And they were talking about the bigs. And the best bigs in the league. You know who the top three unanimous best bigs in the league were whenever those people, whenever Shaq, Chuck, and all them were talking? Uh, Dwight Howard should have been there. Three, he, you know, won multiple time, multiple defense players years, was dominating everything. Deserved to be there. Andrew Bynum. You heard it right, Andrew Bynum. Andrew Bynum had a couple good years. With the Lakers, he wasn't he wasn't just dominant to where he was just an all time great big, but those Lakers years he was he was respectable as a Celtics fan. I can't I can't say he wasn't. He was a he was a really good player, but as the second best big in the league, arguably the first because there was conversations of him maybe being the first. Some people gave him the nod. Shaq gave him the nod because he said because of his low post scoring, and then Brook Lopez. Not Milwaukee Bucks, Brooke Lopez. The person that's shooting threes and getting all these block shots. Nets, Brooke Lopez. The one before he could shoot the three ball. And before he was really thought of as a shot blocker. No disrespect to Brooke Lopez. But he had a great, he had a great low post game. You catch him in the post one-on-one. He could do some things. He was a, he was a really good low on the, on the block scorer. He did his job. But then you think of players like that, like, okay, those are the three best bigs in the league at the time. Arguably, that's what, 
And then people, some people threw Noah up there, but some people took him off because of his lack of offense, but because his, but his defense brought him up there. During those years, so if, since those players, you know, somebody like Noah getting all-stars and all-NBAs in that situation because of who he's playing against, but then you go back to the 90s again, and you take somebody like Patrick Ewing, Who's going against David Robinson, Shaquille O'Neal, Hakeem Olajuwon, and all these other all-time great bigs. And he gets left off the list. Does that make Joakim Noah better than Hakeem? I mean, not Hakeem, um, Patrick Ewing that year? Does it? Makes you think. Now, Patrick Ewing obviously has more All-Stars and All-NBAs than Noah. But I was just using an example for that year. Context. Well, somebody might win something that year, somebody might not. I've never been really a true fan of the All NBAs. The All Star always accepted as a popularity contest if people want to see a show. The All NBAs, though, because it's not the 15 best players in the league. It's the six top guards, six. Top fours and three top centers. But now, you know, so it's kind of weird. It's, it's a tricky situation. It's a tricky situation. Because everybody knows nowadays it's a guard-driven league. Obviously, Steph and them are out. But given the circumstance, they, they are back. Think of the dominant guards. You got Steph. Clay Thompson right there. Devin Booker, Bradley Bill, Donovan Mitchell, Kimball Walker, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, just to name a few. And you see these great guards, and they're not all able to get on the list. Really, really, really good players, but they're not all able to get on the list. But you have somebody like Rudy Gobert that makes it over. Is Rudy Gobert better than um, Donovan Mitchell? Would you put, if you were drafting the team right now and you were taking the team, or you rank the top 30 players in the NBA right now, is Rudy Gobert on your list over Donovan Mitchell? Again, these are just hypothetical um, situations I'm just naming. But that's just how... That kind of voting works. That's why I've never understood why there's so much weight on it. At least lately, I've been under, I haven't understood why there's so much weight put into things like that. So I want you guys to think about that. I want you guys to think about that because that's it had me thinking. It was a it was it was a different take, and I understand it now. Next um, point of discussion. Next point of discussion. Is Tracy McGrady overrated? Is he? I see a lot of younger fans, and I see a lot of fans of my generation put a lot of weight into Tracy McGrady. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they told me that Tracy McGrady, if he doesn't get hurt, could be the would have been the greatest player of all time. Because of his talent. 
made me think. I was like, yeah, Trace McGrady was an excellent talent. He was 6'8", 6'9". Could score the basketball with ease. Great passer. Extremely athletic. Could do, could do just about everything. But it had to make... People, people think about his injuries a lot. And they fail to realize he wasn't always hurt. He did have some rough situations. Don't get me wrong. Going to Orlando and Grant Hill being hurt. But they weren't always hurt. Going to Houston. Actually, go. let's, let's backpedal. Go back up to Orlando. When they're up 3-1 and he's like, it's fine. I'm glad we're finally able to get out of the first round. And then loses the next three games and they don't get out of the first round. Let's go to Houston. When Tracy McGrady was there and they couldn't get out of the first round, people say, oh, well, this person was injured, this person was injured. Not every time. Go back and look at it. Not every time people were injured. Injuries did happen. Tracy, and finally, when they do make it farther, Tracy McGrady's not even there. They finally got out of the first round. Correct me if I'm wrong, I believe they made it to the conference finals that year. And Tracy McGrady wasn't there. And I love Chase McGrady. His game is so great. He, he's a skilled player. But I think we put a little too much weight in the flashy players such as that. Great skill. Great skill. But to hear that he would have been the greatest? Start going looking back at some Chase McGrady to see what people talk about, what could have been with Chase McGrady, this, this, and this. We never know. But I just don't like the excuse that he was always hurt when he wasn't always hurt. I'm not sure. But that's just, it was a short one. I just wanted to ask a question about that one. Pistol Pete Maravich. Pistol Pete Maravich. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with the great Pistol Pete. And what he did for the NBA. How great of a scorer he was. And I think Pistol Pete's underrated. I think that's a player because we're going based off, back off overrated to underrated. And I think it's the NBA's fault. When Pistol Pete got drafted, I believe, correct me wrong, I believe he was a third pick. First round, third pick, um, if I remember correctly. I'm going this off the top of my head. And when he got drafted by the Hawks, a lot of people didn't like him. A lot of people didn't like him. You see a lot of stories come back about how his old teammates didn't like him. His coaching staff didn't like him. Opposing teams didn't like him. They didn't like his play style. They didn't like his play style. Because Pistol Pete was arguably one of the greatest ball handlers at the time. One of the greatest passers at the time, and as well as being one of the greatest scorers at the time. He was flashy. He did what he did. And a lot of people didn't like that, because it was, you gotta think, this is the 70s. People not doing stuff like that at that time. People weren't doing behind-the-back passes, flashy, no looks, in-between-legs passes, fake pass, going up for layups and stuff like that. People weren't at that, they, we weren't at there at that um, point of basketball yet. And Pistol Pete doing that earned him a lot of hate. 
A lot of people didn't like him. A lot of people didn't want to play with him. And I think it's sad because he did. He, he was he was great. He did what he could in Atlanta. In those years in Atlanta, he didn't have much help. But he didn't complain, at least from the reports I said. And he just kept trying to play and kind of just have fun with the game of basketball. Even though he wasn't liked. Eventually, the Hawks saw that they weren't going anywhere. And they shipped him over to the Jazz. And on the Jazz, they were still not a good team. Still not a good team, but he was still putting up really good numbers. On the Jazz, he had one of his best years. He averaged a little over 30 points a game. He did some great things. He was uh, one of the greatest scorers of all time, in my opinion. Because, and here's why I say that. Pistol Pete was known for shooting long-range shots before there was a three-point line. Pistol Pete didn't have a three-point line to his last three seasons in the NBA. Pistol Pete Maravich scored, was it 69? I believe it was like 69 points in one game without, without a three-ball. You got to remember that. 69 points without a three-ball. Pretty amazing, if you ask me. Pretty pretty amazing. It's kind of crazy. 69 points, no three ball, nothing but buckets. Shooting long 20-footers, almost 30-foot bombs. And his teammates would say that's a bad shot. Opposing teams thought he was mocking them. Because, like I said, that, it, those Hawks teams and those Jazz teams weren't good. They weren't good at all. And people thought it wasn't, it, they didn't like his style of play. But he's shooting ball, he's shooting from way back there. He's shooting from way back there. Shooting bombs. And, like again, I say, this is without three ball. Averaging 30 a game. Having multiple seasons of mid to high 20s. With no three ball. Shooting a good percentage. Those last three years that he actually had a three ball, he was shooting amazing. He shot he shot really, really good. And it makes you wonder what would have happened if he actually had a three ball his entire career. He was 10 for 15. 10 for 15 from the three for his career. It's a good percentage. Was that 75%? Again, I'm not a math wizard. 75%. But because people didn't like his play style, and because it was before it was a different time, we'll never know. But I just thought I should mention that because, in my opinion, great, great, great player. I love the movie, The Pistol. You should watch it if you haven't. Highly recommend it. But that's just where I wanted to go with that. And another topic. I was going to get into the All-NBA versus NBA. And some of the great players. Because you got to remember. all ABA stats aren't tracked with the NBA. ABA stuff doesn't count. When they merged. But I'm going to save that topic. For when Wiley and K are back. 
I feel like, I just feel like I should, that should be something we should do together. I feel like Kay will be interested in it. So I don't want to discuss this without him. So my last topic of the day is going to be, I see a lot of people comparing Dream Team to Team USA, the 2008 Team USA. Saying they think the 2008 NBA team, Team USA team, can beat the Dream Team. If there was a seven-game series, they feel like they could get it. And to me, I said, what are y'all talking about? No disrespect. Don't cut it off. Don't cut out the podcast. I'm going to explain my points. Just so y'all can see who's on Team USA versus the Dream Team. I'm going I'm to name off the um, members of the team. I actually wrote this down in my notes because I wanted to talk about this. Like I said, this is going to be mainly off the top, but there was this one was one I definitely wanted to talk about. LeBron James. Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul, Darren Williams, Carmelo Anthony, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, Dwight Howard, Jason Kidd, Tayshawn Prince, Michael Red, and Carlos Boozer. And let me read off the names for the Dream Team. I feel like this isn't necessary, but I'm going to anyway. 11 Hall of Famers, by the way. Michael Jordan, Chris Mullen, Scottie Pippen, Clyde Drexler, Charles Barkley, Larry Bird, Patrick Ewing, Carl Malone, David Robinson, Christian Leitner, Magic Johnson, and John Stockton. Listen to those names I just mentioned. So, I think it could be a game... In a seven-game series, I think they could get. I think they would for sure get one game, maybe two. But winning a series, absolutely not. Cause Team USA doesn't have the depth. They just don't. Think about this starting lineup. Yeah, on paper, sounds dominant. Actually, before I get into this, I'm gonna take another short break. I'm gonna take another short break. Yeah, I need to. Kind of need to collect my thoughts. I'm going to give you all one second. We'll be right back. And we're back. Okay. So as I was saying, Team USA versus the Dream Team. Think about that starting lineup. LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Chris Paul, Carmelo Anthony, and Dwight Howard. On paper, that's a good starting five. It is. I'll admit that that is a a really good starting five. Off the bench, their sixth man was D-Wade, who was also their leading scorer. D-Wade coming off the bench, amazing. Only reason he's not starting is because Kobe Bryant's right there. Prime Kobe. You got somebody like Chris Bosh. He's decent. He's cool. As your backup center. Okay, yeah, that's not bad. That's not bad. You got Darren Williams. As your backup point guard, Darren Williams was an all-star. Everybody knows that. He was great. Really great while he was with Utah. Got Tayshawn Prince as a starting small four. He's cool. Again, I say. He's cool. He's good. Carlos Boozer, backup power forward. Okay. Or depending on the lineup, they might even use Tayshawn Prince as a backup power forward. And Michael Red as the backup small forward. You never know. You never know. Different lineup, different things. 
still, my thing is, how do they take on, like I said, their starting lineup is good, but their bench, not so much. How do they take on once, let's just say they do evenly match up with their starting lineup, which they don't because they they don't because their bigs, it's the big position is just too dominant. You have Magic Johnson versus Chris Paul. You have Michael Jordan versus Kobe. You have Scottie Pippen versus LeBron James. You got Charles Barkley versus Carmelo. And you have David Robinson versus Dwight Howard. It's pretty crazy. Even though on paper I still say I'm going with Dream Team with that starting lineup. The starters can't play the whole game. What happens when you bring the bench in? The bench of John Stockton, that point guard. Chris Mullen, right there. Larry Bird, even though, keep in mind, a lot of people have this twisted. they like, oh yeah, Larry Bird right there, Larry Magic and Michael. This is Larry Bird in 1992. Not the same Larry Bird anymore. Back issues, broken down. Larry wasn't the same anymore. He wasn't doing... This is Larry Bird after, well after his prime. He's not the same Larry anymore, athletically. But he still has his shot, and he still is a great passer. Defensively, though, he's not going to bring you the same. You have to try to hide him on defense. He's not going to be able to run up the, down the court and play as many minutes, but he's still Larry Bird. So, like I said, Larry Bird versus Tayshaun Prince. Then you have, what, Carl Malone versus who, Carlos Boozer or Tayshaun Prince, whoever you run at the back of power forward. Come on now. That John Stockton, Carl Malone pick and roll versus Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer. Don't get me wrong. Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer did the same thing, but they they had a great pick and roll thing too, Jazz versus Jazz. But I think we both, we all know who did it better. And then Chris Bosch at your backup center versus prime Patrick Ewing. Come on now. Come on. Let's 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 be real. A lot of people talk about well the three point shooting on the team USA will be much better. The three point shooting will be dominant and everything. And I was like, okay. You think that's really gonna make that big of a difference? Like, yeah, yeah, that, that this, this, this. Like, do y'all remember who Chris Mullen is? Larry Bird is still right there. Larry Bird is right there. Chris Mullen is right there. And don't forget, these are European rules. The three-point line is pushed forward. You have people like Charles Barkley, albeit only shooting like one a game, if that. Shooting like 80% from the three, just because that's a long mid-range now. He didn't shoot many, like I said. Michael Jordan, that's a long mid-range. He wasn't shooting the best percentage, if I can remember correctly, but he's still a long mid-range. Chris Mullen killed it, plus 50%. Scottie Pippen shot well. Larry Bird, like I said, is still Larry Bird. Magic Johnson, John Stockton, they all shot the three well, because the European rules, the three-point line is closer. That's also why people like Carmelo Anthony became such knockdown three-point shooters and whenever they went over there. Because you got to remember, 
it's no longer a long bad two. A lot of these great players use the mid-range game. They like to take those long twos. But now those long twos turn into threes. So, remember that. So they're shooting a three ball and they shoot it really well. There's not much they can do about it then because then it's like the bigs kill you. You don't even have the three-point ball element anymore. So to me, instead of comparing Dream Team to Team USA, I say we we compare the forgotten Dream Team 2 to Team USA. I think Dream Team 2 can honestly put up a fight against Dream Team 1. But let me read off who's on Dream Team 2. Scottie Pippen makes a return. Reggie Miller shows up. Mitch Richmond. Penny Hardaway. Carl Malone returns. Gary Payton joins us. Shaquille O'Neal. David Robinson also returns. John Stockton and Charles Barkley also return. Hakeem Olajuwon joins us. And so does Grand Hill. And I'm sure a lot of y'all are saying like, oh, those are cool, but... Dream Team is better. I mean, I was like... I still think they could put a fight up against them, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about 2008, since that's the team people like to compare. Think about this for a second. Gary Payton, prime, prime Gary Payton versus Chris Paul. That's a good matchup. It's a good matchup right there. Kobe Bryant, I say he wins his matchup against Reggie Miller, but Reggie Miller is not going down without a fight. Reggie Miller... Arguably the second or third greatest shooter, maybe fourth greatest shooter, depending on where you put other people of all time. So top five great greatest shooter of all time. Mitch Richmond, great. Run TMC when he was with Sacramento was a dog, averaging twenty plus. Mitch Richmond was a great scorer. Mid range could shoot the three ball as well. People forget that. Penny Hardaway. This isn't broken down Penny Hardaway. This is Orlando Magic Penny Hardaway. This him in Shaq. When Penny Hardaway was dominating. Before the injuries happened. Same with Grant Hill. Dominating. Before the injuries happened. All-star. People say he was the next Michael Jordan. Him. When Michael Jordan was interviewed. Asked who do you think is going to be the next Michael Jordan. After he retired. For the second time. He said, Penny Hardaway and Grand Hill are going to take over this league. We'll never know what will happen because they started getting hurt. But at this time right now, during this game, and when they were playing in 96, they weren't, this was before the injuries. They were great. Now, the big man position even got deeper. Think about this. Team USA has Chris Bosh. And Carlos Boozer for their big. Those are the only two bigs on the roster. Everybody else would be a small forward playing big. So like LeBron, Carmelo, Tayshaun Prince. Think of, listen to these names right here. Starting I mean starting center, Hakeem Olajuwon. And off the bench, you have David Robinson and Shaquille O'Neal. David Robinson and Shaquille O'Neal. So Hakeem's Battling Dwight. You're like, oh, snap. We need to bring him a match here. And Dwight's tired. They bring in Carlos Boozer. They sub Hakeem out. You know, he's been cooking. Then it starts becoming Shaq versus Carlos Boozer. Chris Bosh. 
David Robinson takes on the other one. That's just, that team is scary. The bigs are just scary. Charles Barkley led the team both 92 and 96 in scoring. Charles Barkley was dominant. And you have him there, not even going against a big anymore. Going against a small forward. You got two of the best defensive guards of all time. And John Stockton, the all-time leader in steals. And Gary, the glove Peyton, sitting there battling Chris Paul, Darren Williams, and Jason Kidd, who didn't he, Jason Kidd didn't even, if y'all remember correctly, Jason Kidd didn't even really play that much. This was Jason Kidd without a jump shot. He hadn't even figured that out yet. He, he was still struggling with his shot. But he was a great floor general and a great defender. That's why I don't want to put too much disrespect because Jason Kidd, both Jason Kidd and Chris Paul are also great defenders. And you have Reggie Miller and Mitch Richmond, like I said, shooting versus Kobe and Dwayne Wade, Scottie Pippen, LeBron, Grant Hill, Carmelo, Tayshaun Prince. Oh my God, that that line that that matchup just sounds amazing to watch. But I'm still just because the dominance. The bigs, the bigs got better in '96. The shooting got better because you added somebody like Reggie Miller and Rich Mitch, Rich Mitch. I, I can't even speak right now. Mitch Richmond, and the defense still was great. Yeah, you lost Jordan, but you gained the glove. Come on now, come on now. So that's my two cents on that. I think the 96 beats 2008 even worse. I said 2008 could get a game on 92. Then possibly could get two. 96, if they do, they get one. And that's barely. That's off like Kobe having this amazing game. So it was LeBron and D.A. They just have to go off. That's just to get them one game. I don't see them. There's I don't see it being possible for them to get another we're taking the injuries out. They don't get hurt during the games. Because, that you know, nobody do what us versus get injuries. Like I said, Grand Hill, Penny Hardaway, these are before they're hurt. After, if we said mid-2000s, you got me. Early 2000s, you got me. Because they're hurt. But now, 96? Come on now. That's food. That's food. But anyways, guys. We've been going on for a good 50 minutes. I don't remember what what does K what does K say when he closed out. Um, guys, always remember to respect women, but most importantly, remember to respect yourself. And we out.